Would you stand with me in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord? I'm reading for the gospel according to Luke chapter 23. Then their whole assembly rose up and brought him before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation, opposing payment of taxes to Caesar, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, You say so. Pilate then told the chief priests and the crowds, I find no grounds for charging this man. But they kept insisting. He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee where he started, even to here. When Pilate heard this, he asked if the man was a Galilean. Finding that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod who was also in Jerusalem during those days. Herod was very glad to see Jesus. For a long time he had wanted to see him because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some miracle performed by him. So he kept asking him questions. But Jesus did not answer him. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt, mocked him, dressed him in bright clothing, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Previously, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You have brought me this man as one who misleads the people, but in fact, after examining him in your presence, I find no grounds to charge this man with those things you accuse him of. Neither has Herod, because he sent him back to us. Clearly, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I'll have him whipped and then release him. And then they all cried out together, Take this man away! Release Barabbas to us. He had been thrown into prison for a rebellion that had taken place in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate addressed them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! Third time he said to them, Why? What has this man done wrong? I... uh, have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him whipped and then release him. But they kept up the pressure, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, and their voices won out. And so Pilate decided to grant them their demand and release the one they were asking for who had been thrown into prison for rebellion and murder. But he handed Jesus over to their will. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we would thank you tonight for our Lord Jesus Christ. We would thank you 
for a love that is beyond our comprehension and our understanding, for grace that really is amazing. For the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, for the fact that his life was not taken, he gave it for us to have life. We ask that you would anoint Pastor Andrew as he comes to proclaim to us the precious living word of God. Help us to seek for you to also anoint our ears, our minds, and our hearts that we would find fresh and new the revelation of the word of God on a day such as this one we call good. For us, it is indeed good. Your love is good. Your grace is good. Jesus, our Lord, is our good shepherd. And we ask it in his name. God's people said, Amen. I want to begin with an opening question. Who betrayed Jesus? Who? As you listen to what Pastor Dell just read, a number of individuals kind of come out clearly in the four. Let's begin with the first. Political leaders. As you kind of think about our world and you kind of think about scripture and you kind of think about what God's expectations are for those who lead us, for those who govern us. Their purpose is to help serve justice. Their purpose is to kind of stand in God's stead as they face the people, as they face the masses and to lead and to serve and to do right and to do good and to maintain order, to keep structure and indeed, as we just said a moment ago, to preserve justice. But as you listen to the scripture, what did you hear when, when Herod did not get what he wanted, when he didn't see a miracle performed, when Jesus didn't jump through the hoops that were laid out for him, when Jesus didn't perform and dance to the, the song and melody that was requested and desired, but stood silent mocked, ridiculed, treated with disdain, smacked, beaten, and shipped back to Pilate. Pilate, the representative of the major force in the world, the world force that kept its thumb over the entire understood and known world by those that were there, those who preserved what we call the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. Those tasked with preserving and maintaining justice throughout. The governor. The one overseeing the region. 
repeatedly says, I don't find anything that he's guilty of. I think he's innocent. But because of the demands of the people, because of the rage and the, the, the words of the crowd in front of him, instead of submitting to justice, instead of asserting authority that was his place and his right to assert, he released a person that was guilty. He released a person that was deserving of punishment. He had Jesus whipped and beaten and crucified. So as we think of the first group of people that betrayed Jesus, it's the political system, political leaders, people who are supposed to serve the people, who are supposed to serve justice and righteousness. Instead, of ser- instead they served something else. Here's the next group. You can put that up there. The religious leaders. The religious leaders. Those who have been appointed and commissioned to lead the nation spiritually. Those who have been called to stand between God and man and to cry out and call out to all, saying, listen to the word of the Lord. Turn from sin. Turn from the things that are taking you away from a relationship with God. Turn your eyes. Turn your heart. Turn your focus. Turn your attention to the Lord. Look to him. Embrace him. Acknowledge him. Pursue him. The ones who have been commissioned by God to be God's voice to the nations, to teach them the truth, to acknowledge them to them the, the word of God, and to prepare them for the coming of the promised one. But as we will read in a few moments some of the accounts, but then also as we read, listened as Dell read, it was the religious leaders that were stirring up the crowd. It was the religious leaders that were whispering in the ears of Herod and Pilate. He's a problem. We need to get rid of him. We need to remove him. Execute him. Get rid of him. It's better that one die for the many instead of the many die for the few. Get rid of him. The very people commissioned and called to stand before the people and to direct them to the Lord and to direct them to the promised one of God. They betrayed Jesus. They had a totally different agenda than seeking to call or lead people to the Lord. We then have the third set of betrayers. The people. The Jewish people. The promised people of God. The chosen people. Those who God called out and separated out thousands of years before. 
They turned a deaf ear to the promises of God. What's interesting in the flow of all the things that are taking place between the, 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 the silent years, between the, the, the oppression of, of the Greeks and, and, and the pushing off and, and the Maccabee rebellion and all the things that were going on, there was a, a, a resurgent energy in the nation for the Messiah to come. There was a passion and an interest. There was this desire and and the belief that Messiah was going to come. And a few days previous, as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, the crowds gather along the streets. And as Jesus comes into the city riding on on the donkey, you hear from the city streets, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they herald the Messiah, they herald Jesus, and they declare his Messiahship. And they they celebrate Jesus' arrival. But Jesus didn't exactly do what they were expecting him to do that week. They had a different set of expectations. They were expecting the Messiah to start to push Rome off. And they were expecting Messiah to start to assert himself as a political leader. As, as, as one who would raise up the nation and bring it back to a point of ascendancy like it was under David and Solomon. And just a few days later, the fickleness of the crowd shifted from saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And instead they heralded a murderer, a person who stirred up dissent and created riots. And they shouted out and they screamed out, crucify him. We want Barabbas. We don't want Jesus. See, as we look at the cross and as we look at the events that lead up to that cross, we see all sorts of betrayal that is taking place. All sorts of things going on that are supposed to move in one way. People that are supposed to do one thing. People that are supposed to honor God and and serve God in a particular way choose to disregard God, choose to ignore God, choose to serve self, and choose to betray the very creator of all things. The one who was coming to fulfill the promises that were recorded in scripture and that the crowd and the nation was anticipating and looking for. And they chose to betray. But we're not done. Mark 14 It says it was two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. Again, we see the chief priests, the spiritual religious leaders. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a cunning way to arrest Jesus and kill him. Not during the festival, they said, so there won't be a riot among the people. Can you imagine? 
Your spiritual leaders at an elder board meeting or a deacon board meeting, sitting down and talking about someone in our community that they didn't like, having a conversation, you say, you know guys, we got to get rid of this individual. This person is a real problem. This person is a real distraction in our community. We need to find someone to take them out. How much money do we have in the budget to apply to a hit? And does anybody know someone who would be available and willing to do this? That's the conversation taking place among the spiritual leaders. They're not talking about how they can extend the message of hope. They're not talking about how to call a nation that may be struggling and honoring and and walking with God to walk with and know God. No, they're talking about how to eliminate, how to execute, how to kill somebody, how to get rid of somebody, how to drive someone out of the nation, out of the community. They are talking about how to kill a person. Instead of talking but how to lead a nation to walk with and know God. Can you imagine your spiritual leaders making that the topic of discussion? I can't. Now, I've sat in leadership meetings for over 35 years. And in those years, we've discussed hard things, difficult things, challenging things. But never have we discussed how to take someone out. Ever. And they found someone to do it. A few verses down, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard this, They were glad. Pause. Does that language kind of sink in? Yes! High fives around the table. Everyone gets another round on me. Celebration. Glad. They weren't glad that more were coming to temple. They weren't glad that more were bending their knee to the Lord and and coming to repentance. No, they were glad that they found someone to be the executioner. And when they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. Who betrayed Jesus? Judas. Often in our conversations and probably often in our, in our thoughts, he is the primary go-to as we think of the area of betrayal. But he is just one of many. Again in Mark, 
verses 66 to 72, chapter 14. It says, While Peter was in the courtyard below, one of the high priest's maidservants came. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. Then he went outside the entryway and a rooster crowed. Now pause for a second. Because earlier Jesus told him that evening, Peter, before the rooster crows three, two, twice, you're going to deny me three times. And he walks outside. He hears the rooster. You would think, pause. Oh my goodness. I'm starting to walk down the path that Jesus talked about. I got to stop. I got to rethink. I got to reorient myself. I can't, I don't want to be that guy. But when the maidservant saw him again, she began to tell those standing nearby, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing there said to Peter again, You certainly are one of them, since you're also a Galilean. Then he started to curse and swear. Isn't it interesting the way this happens? We need to bring emphasis, and we need to really prove to you that, it's, that we're really serious, that we're vehement. So you start swearing, cussing. Saying all the things you know you should never be saying. And that's exactly what Peter does. I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately a rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered when Jesus had spoken the word to him, before the rooster crows crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Who betrayed Jesus? Peter. Oh, he didn't come up to Jesus in the garden and kiss him on the cheek as the crowd was coming behind him. But he chose to sleep instead of pray. He chose to swing a sword ineffectively. And he chose to run away. Who betrayed Jesus? Peter. See, it's not just Judas. It's also Peter. It's not just the religious leaders. It's not just the political leaders. And it's not just the nation. It's also Peter. Mark. Again, chapter 14, verses 50 to 52. It says, then they all deserted him and ran away. This is right in the garden as Jesus is being arrested and all the disciples are there. Judas is standing there. He comes up and kisses Jesus as the disciples are kind of arrayed behind Jesus. They all deserted him. And they ran away. It says, now a certain young man was wearing nothing but a linen cloth, was following him, and they caught a hold of him. 
but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Now, I don't know about you, but if I, I'm not sure I would be ready to run away naked. I think I'd rather stay clothed. He lost his clothes and fled. Who betrayed Jesus? All of the disciples. All of them. None of them stood with Jesus. No one marched and stayed with Jesus and walked by his side and clung to Jesus as he was brought to the religious leaders, as he was brought to Herod, as he was brought to Pilate. No. They all fled. Every single one of them. Now, they tried to sneak around a little bit and they tried to kind of get to a spot where they could see, get to a spot where they could kind of listen, but they wanted to be incognito. They wanted to bend in and, and not stand out. They just kind of wanted to kind of get behind and, and kind of disappear. They wanted to listen. They wanted to hear what was going on. But they didn't stand there and say, this is not right. You need to let Jesus go. See, all the disciples betrayed Jesus. Every single one. But we're still not done. Isaiah says something. We looked a little bit at Isaiah as we began our service. Isaiah says, We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Scriptures say all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. Here at New Life, as we have been walking through the Old Testament, walking through Genesis 1 through 11 these past months, as we have been walking through there multiple times, God announces and he talks about the sin of man and how, as, as he talked to Noah, he talked to Noah and he talked about how the wickedness of man and how the inclination of their heart from youth onward is always evil prompted his decision to bring the flood. A hundred years later, after the flood, before God pronounces blessing and and promises to not bring a flood again, he reaffirms this and he talks about and he identifies how from youth onward the inclination of one's heart is wicked and rebellious. Hostile toward God. You see, the reality is that you and I were not present 
on the night that Jesus was betrayed. You and I were not present as he was marched to, to the religious leaders, as he was marched to Pilate, as he was marched to Herod, as he was marched back to Pilate, as he was marched into the courtyard to be whipped and beaten, to have a crown of thorns placed on his head and to have someone whack it and beat it into his skull as someone was there to rip the beard from his face and as someone was there to whip him on his back. And we weren't there as a cross was laid across his shoulders and he was marched through and out of the city and up onto the hill of Golgotha and nailed to the cross. You and I were not there. But yet we were still present in the spirit because you and I also have lived in rebellion and stubbornness and you and I also have betrayed God. See, who betrayed Jesus? You and me. There's not a single one of us that have done it perfect. All of us have blown it. Every single one of us. What's interesting is on Sunday morning, this was said to the disciples in Luke 24, verse 7. It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. It is necessary. Jesus' betrayal was necessary. That boggles my mind, but it was. One more thing stands out. First John. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Here's what stands out to me. Despite all of our betrayer, betrayal, despite all of the betrayal that took place and that has taken place over history, Jesus did not betray us. He didn't. Despite the crowd saying crucify, despite the religious leaders failing miserably to fulfill their responsibility both before God and the people, despite the, the, the political leaders totally failing to fulfill their responsibilities before God and before the people, despite the fact that Judas blew it, Peter blew it, all the disciples blew it, and despite the fact that you and I have radically blown it, Jesus has never 
betrayed us. Jesus didn't go, I'm tapping out. I'm done. I'm giving up. We're finished. I'm going home. He never did that. He never has. Jesus is and Jesus has always been faithful. Good Friday is not the day that we set aside to celebrate. It's not the day we gather to rejoice. It's not the day we gather to sing those songs that lift our spirits and to buoy us as we enter into the next couple of days. No, it's that day that we reflect and we remember on the reality of what took place when Jesus was crucified and took our place on the cross of Calvary. To remember the promises of God, the faithfulness of God, despite the wickedness and the betrayal of all others involved. I'd like to encourage you to do a couple of things between now and sunrise morning. And I do hope to see you guys at the sunrise service. I have to say this, for me, hands down, my favorite service all year long. I picked up my truck from getting the oil changed today and I was talking to the gal, taking my payment and so we talked about what we were going to do this week and I turned to her and I said, well, we're going to go to the sunrise service. I told her where it was going to be and I said, my favorite service all year long. I like lots of church services, but this is my favorite. And I don't need singing. I don't speak. I just get to show up and emcee a little bit and then just enjoy the fact that it's Sunday morning and we celebrate the fact that Jesus has risen. But before we jump the gun and before we run to Sunday morning, I want to encourage you to do two things between now and then. Number one, take an inventory of your life. Are there betrayal patterns still present in your life? Are there things going on in your life where you are resisting and saying no to God as he's calling you in your life? Are you pushing back instead of leaning in? I want to encourage you to take some time to reflect and to take some inventory of how you are walking and how you are living with our Lord and living in relationship with Him. Maybe you're at a point in your life where you're saying, I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I need to come to that point in my life where I put my faith and trust in him. I need, to, I need to trust Jesus for that forgiveness of sin. If that's where you are, I would love to talk to you tonight. Pastor Dell would love to talk to you tonight. That's the most important decision you can ever make with your life. Number two, I would encourage you 
Reflect on what it means to know and follow a Savior who remains faithful and true to you even when you blow it and fail. Reflect on what it means to know and follow a Savior who always remains faithful and true to you even when you blow it and fail. I say this with a fair degree of frequency. There's not a single one of us that hasn't already blown it today. But something we would have said or something we would have done with an attitude or a reaction, every single one of us today has already blown it. And yet, Jesus does not kick us to the curb. Jesus does not say, I'm done with them. I'm done with you. He continues to love us and seeks to embrace us and to guide us and to call us into a deeper relationship with him. So take that inventory and ask that question, Lord, What's going on in my life that I need to address? And then think about what it means to live in relationship with a Savior who loves you like crazy. And as you do that, I hope to see you Sunday morning at 545. Because then we get to have a party. We get to celebrate and we get to rejoice. And we kind of get to go, wahoo. We have an amazing Savior who lives. But let's not rush it. Let's take a little bit of time to reflect, to remember, and to examine. Let's pray together. Father, I want to say thank you so very much for your amazing grace to us. Father, as I think of the cross and as I think of Jesus, what you did for us. Alone, exposed, vulnerable, and dying drop by drop and moment by moment. Jesus, I thank you that you did not quit. You did not give up. You did not stop. But you took it all the way. You took it to the cross. You took it through death. You took it through resurrection. You took it as far as it needed to go. For each one of us to have the opportunity to know forgiveness. For each one of us to have the opportunity to know you and to walk with you and to know the Father and live with him eternally. Jesus, thank you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.